0: Montague and Juliet, or Capulet, meet and fall in love in Shakespeare's tale of star-crossed lovers, Romeo and Juliet. If you know the story, maybe you read the Cliff Notes when you were in high school, they are doomed from the start as members of two warring families that are not permitted to be together. The Montagues and the Capulets, they don't mix. In the most famous line, in the most famous story, Juliet cries out to Romeo. At some point, she can't take it anymore, she wants to be with him, and so she says, What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Juliet, in love, says, Romeo, a name? What does a name matter, Romeo? It's artificial, it's meaningless. She loves the person who's called a Montague, not the Montague name, not Montague family. Romeo, names don't matter, to which I would say a couple of professors at Harvard University would vehemently disagree because they did a study, it's a pretty famous study, of uh, 3,300 men who had recently graduated and they looked at whether names mattered if it had any bearing, at least at Harvard, on academic performance. And the men, what they discovered is the men with unusual names, were more likely to have flunked out, or to have exhibited symptoms of psychological neurosis, than those who had common names. In other words, guys named Mike were doing great, guys named Ziggy were really having a hard time. Now, this sounds silly, but it's actually fascinating. You'll see there's been multiples of studies since and the findings are almost always reproduced. Some recent research suggests that names can influence, and there's a lot of statistical work behind this, what your mom and dad chose to name you can influence your profession, where we live, the grades we earn, the stocks we invest in, whether we're accepted to a school or hired for a particular job. Other names can even determine whether we give money to a, a disaster. If we share an, initial, uh, if we share an uh, initial with the name of a hurricane, according to one study, we are far more likely to donate to relief funds after it hits. Really true, it's crazy, but it's true. Now, much of the apparent influence of names on behavior is attributed to what's known as the implicit egotism effect. So if you want to Google that when you get home, it's really interesting. The implicit egotism effect says that we're generally drawn to things and to people that most resemble us. For example, one other thing that our names influence is who we marry, which is how a guy named John winds up with a wife named Joan, right? You see that this just kind of works. It's not just the researchers that think that names matter. Jesus seemed to indicate in the prayer we are studying that they matter too. So we're going to dive into um, week two of Pray This Way, our summer long look at the model of prayer that Jesus laid out for us. If you remember, he's with his disciples. They're looking at him. They're going, you know, you seem to pray differently than we do. You know, I'm not sure if they qualified it, but it's probably, you know, I mean, they probably said, you seem better at it, you seem more relaxed at it, you seem more intent in it, and the results seem to be a lot better than what we're getting, so could you teach us to pray that y- the way you do? And Jesus, on two different occasions, mind you, Jesus says, yeah. He says, pray like this. Now, here's what I want you to understand before we, we get into the Lord's Prayer this morning. Jesus did not mean for you and I to recite it, over and over and over again the thought process when jesus said this was never for you to think that well if i say 20 our fathers right that will achieve something for me in fact what i would tell you is if you look where this uh where where the lord's prayer is in the scripture right before jesus says pray this way he says whatever you do don't fall into vain repetition Just don't keep saying the same thing. Don't become religious, guys, and uttering the same prayer think it's going to get you somewhere. Don't fall into that. Now, with that in mind, then, let's do that, uh, which is we're going to pray this together, or at least read it out together to frame our discussion this morning. Are you ready? That's not bad. We'll go from here. Together with me, would you guys? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. This is, uh, this is, uh, Jesus is saying, pray like this. Don't pray this. And so Jesus is setting up a framework for our prayers. Last week, Stevie Fisher, the longest serving youth pastor in the history of Menham Hills Community Church, in his second to last sermon here at Menham Hills Community Church, um, he led off the series explaining how radically countercultural, how earth-shattering, religion-altering, faith changing, faith challenging. It was for Jesus to tell you and I, you don't have to go to God with like some kind of fancy nomenclature. You don't have to go to God and say, you know, almighty God who reigns over all. I mean, that's good. You can do that. But Jesus says, you know, you, it might even be better. You You could go to him like Father. Later on, Jesus would come and introduce an even more radical idea. Paul would would follow it up. He says, you know, you don't even have to leave it at father. You could call him Abba. Father father is formal. Abba is personal. Right? Uh, father father is a, uh, speaks more to a position. Abba more to a relationship. A rabbinical commentary stated that slaves were forbidden to address the head of the family by the title Abba. It was too personal. Only sons could. And so Jesus says... Here's how you start your prayers. Start it with a term that's essentially like dad. Dad. And so he moves on to the second part of this, which we're going to get at today. And it is almost universally misunderstood. I would love to, uh, w- to do a little um, query on this because I think most of us, I mean, I-, I would be guilty of it, don't really understand what Jesus is saying in his second line. His second line is is a request. It's his initial, like, Father, would you do something? Jesus makes a request. I'm not sure if you ever thought it that way. Because here's what Jesus says. He says, hallowed be thy name. Jesus is not proclaiming God's name as hallowed. He's not saying that the name of God is hallowed. He's actually requesting that his Father Make the name of God hallowed. It's a request to God that He would see to it that God's own name be hallowed. Now, now, to get this and understand why Jesus would be saying that, you have to understand that in the first century, as opposed to today, names had meaning attached to them. My name is John, which in original Hebrew form meant it communicated God is gracious. Many of you look at me and go. Boy, if that's what grace is like, no thanks. However, um, the reality is when I've told you my name is John, none of you have said, yes, you know, God is gracious. Because we don't think of names that way. Today, names are simply monikers. In Jesus' day, names revealed something of character. you remember last September, we did a whole series on the name of God and what it revealed about God and his character. God tells Moses, I want you to meet up on the mountain with me tomorrow, and there... I'm going to tell you my name, and he does. He says, Moses, here's my name. It's important that you understand it. My name is Yahweh, and it spoke of his character. His name is Yahweh, and it means, I am what I am, or I will be what I am, and then God described that to Moses. He went on, he said, here's what I am, that I will always be. I am the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet I do not leave the guilty unpunished. I punish the children and their children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation. We looked at all of those things together as a church, and in our small groups, we did that book, um, God is a Name. Uh, it It was a tremendous time together. And so if you remember... In, a, in the scripture, a person's name signifies something about his character, his ability, or his mission. It revealed something about the person's nature. So how do you sum up God in a name? I guess that's why he says, my name's Yahweh, which is, everything that I am, I will always be. The writers of the scripture try to get at it. Um, In fact, in the Old Testament, you'll see that God has many names. Why? Because the names are a reflection of his personhood, of his character. So check this out. Here's just some of the names that God is referred to in the Old Testament. Do we have that chart, Maggie? Um, Adonai, Lord Master. El Elyon, the Most High God. You could go through. El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. (laughs) on and on and on. Yahweh, we just talked about that one. Because these names revealed something about the essence and the nature of God. Names were important. No different in the New Testament with Jesus the Messiah. Here's another visual showing all the names which reflect the character, purpose, and mission of Jesus. Right? The firm foundation, the way, judge, teacher, word, gift of God. Uh, Right? Emmanuel, God with us sanctuary, truth, life, Messiah, Holy One. Now you might go, well, okay, that's interesting. God has lots of names. I see it's tied to his character. Great stuff. Why do I care? I mean, I came in the rain. Is that all, is that all I'm going to get out of this? And the reason you should care is, is uh, it's summed up really by the psalmist in, in Psalm 9. This is why it was so important that Jesus that he made hallowed be your name, be his first request to his Father. The psalmist wrote, those who know your name, trust in you. Because if you know his name, you know who he is, you know his personhood, his attributes, who he is, what he does, what he's like. Those who know your name, they trust in you. The reason that all those names are important, the reason Jesus prays that God's name be hallowed, which we'll talk about what that means in a minute, is that when you understand his name and his character and who he is and his heart and his purpose and his mission, then you begin to trust God. I mean, think about it, guys, right? If you really believed that God is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, doesn't that help you at least rest a little that he's going to provide for you? What if you really believe that he was Jehovah Rapha, that God heals, the God that heals? Would that change the way you pray? Maybe you pray about healing in a different way because you start to understand, no, he heals. That's what he does. That's who he is. Would it change the way you prayed if you understand that the scriptures say that this Messiah, you'll you'll call him Emmanuel, a God that's not out there but here, present with you. That's who he is. He's a God that's present. Is Is there not hope in that? See, think about it, the more we trust God, and we trust God as we know his name, uh, uh, the more we trust God, the more peace we have. The more we trust God, the more hope we have. The more we trust God, the more joy we have, despite all of our circumstances. The more we trust him, the more risks we'll take for him. The more risks we're willing to take for him, the more bold we are in following him. The less dependent we are on our material stuff, and, 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 and we're so much more willing to volunteer to serve him. I would tell you, we got 150 people in a garbage dump over the next three weeks. Why? Because people have started to trust God because they know his name. Knowing God's name, crazy to think about this, but knowing God's name, his character, his purpose, his mission, it changes destinies, changes marriages, families, jobs, careers. Most importantly, it changes eternities. And this is why Jesus, after he says, you know, you can call him dad, he says, dad... May you cause your name. My first prayer, Dad, is that you would cause your name in this place here on earth to be hallowed. So what is Jesus asking God to do is to make his name hallowed, which means to sanctify it. Dad, would you sanctify your name? So what Jesus is saying is, Dad, let your name be sanctified. And if you look into the meaning of sanctified, essentially Jesus is saying, Dad, make your name holy, or make your name to be treated as holy. See, when God sanctifies us, it means that God is making us holy. When we sanctify God, it means we're treating him as holy. So Jesus is teaching us to pray that God would cause his name to be treated as holy. So when you and I pray this, What are we really asking God to do? How many of you in your life at one point or another has prayed, hallowed be thy name? Raise your hand if you have ever said or recited, hallowed be your name. Do you have any idea what you were asking? No. Because we become religious people that fall into like vain repetition, and we miss the whole point. I mean, think about it, right? Uh, I read some work this week where 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 one of the theologians went through and he looked at four other places in the scripture where the word hallowed or sanctify or treat as holy is used in relation to God. Each of these gives an idea of what Jesus meant when he was saying, God, would you, Dad, would you hallow your name here on earth? Here's the first one. It comes out of the Old Testament book called Numbers. But the Lord, when you see the Lord like that, remember in our study, that's the word Yahweh, right? We talked about that in September, but the Jews wanted to honor God's name, so they wouldn't write Yahweh, so they wrote Lord. We'll talk about that again in a few minutes. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as hallowed, you didn't trust in me enough to hollow me in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community in a land I give you. I give them. It means... Hollowed means to believe in him, to trust in him. You want to hollow God's name? If you want, you're praying that God's name be hollowed, you're praying that people would begin to believe and trust in him. John said, he who does not believe God has made him a liar. When you make somebody a liar, you profane the person's name. It's the opposite of treating the person as holy. Not trusting God is the exact opposite of hollowing the name of God. So the first thing, when you've ever sat down to say. Uh, dad in heaven, hallowed be your name, the first thing you're asking God to do is is that he would cause people to believe in him. Now, here's the second thing. The second time hallowed and God appear together is in the book of Isaiah, where the prophet wrote, do not call conspiracy everything this people that surround you call a conspiracy. Now, this is really interesting. The prophet writes, don't fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to hallow. He is the one you're to fear. He's the one you're to dread. You hallow God by not fearing what is normal to fear. I mean, we know what to be afraid of, right? I mean, heck, you should have, when that lightning and thunder went off last night about 3 a.m., I knew what to fear then, too, and so did my dogs who came sprinting in and had jumped in my bed. But, you know, there's fears that are common to us. Sickness, illness, loss, accidents, but the scripture says you actually hollow God by fearing him, him first. You fear displeasing God more than you fear the worries of the world. It's interesting, isn't it? The prayer starts, Jesus goes, you know, you can call him dad. But then it is a quick reminder, much like that thunder and lightning storm last night. Quick reminder, you know, he's really big, really strong. And God, dad, would you make sure everybody understands that they should fear you more than any other thing? So when you have said, Lord, let your name be hallowed, what you're saying is, Dad, let your name be feared, cause people to have such a high view of you that it's a much more dreadful thing to lose your approval than to lose the approval of the world around. I mean, what you're really praying, okay, let's keep it real, right? When you're saying, our Father who art in heaven, you're starting, you're going, Dad, let your name be hallowed. It's like, Dad, would you help me to fear you more than I do losing my boyfriend if I don't move in with him? Dad, would you, would you help me to fear you more than slightly immoral shortcuts I might have to take to make or get ahead? Dad, would you, would you help me to fear you more than I desire the one-night stand? It's Interesting. Third time, you see it, it's in the Old Testament book, Leviticus, it's referred to as the book of laws often. Here's what the writer said. He said, keep my commands and follow them. I am the Lord. Do not profane my holy hallowed name, for I must be acknowledged as holy by the Israelites. I am the Lord who made you holy. This is pretty simple. Jesus when he prays, hallowed be thy name, is saying, dad, let your commands be followed. Dad, here on earth, let your commands be followed. We make God's name hallowed when we do what he tells us to do. I mean, it's pretty simple. In fact, I love what Jesus taught. I reflect on this a lot. I'm a grace guy. I, you know, I tell you every week how messed up I am. Sometimes I get emails from you guys saying, stop telling me how messed up you are. But, um, you know, I, I am, I, I've got a lot of issues. And uh, so I'm a grace guy. I need the grace of God because as much as I understand I should follow the commands of God, sometimes just like you, I fall short of following all the commands. So I believe deeply and I need the forgiveness and the grace of God. But sometimes we take that to a level of misunderstanding. Um, I, I, if I asked you guys, it, okay, let's do another raised hand thing. I know how you love this part. Uh, if I asked you this morning, do you love God? Raise your hand. If you, somebody asked you on the street do you love God, would you raise your hands? Yes. yes. Of course you do. But here's what Jesus says. If you love me, Keep my commands. Like if you love me, do what I'm telling you to do. And why is that? Because if you know my name, you'll trust me. Like if you understand who I am, you'll trust me. You'll believe that what I'm telling you to do is the best thing for you. Like I'm not holding out on you. I'm trying to help you. If you love God, if you want, if you want to hollow his name, then you keep not perfectly, but at least you care about what, what he says. You try to keep his commands because you trust him. And finally, this is the last one in Leviticus. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what L- the Lord Yahweh has said, among those who, who are near, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, hallowed, and before all the people, I will be glorified, and Aaron held his peace. Guys, we hallow God's name when we bring glory to it, renown, fame, honor, beauty. That's how you hallow God's name. So when you've been praying all these years, hallowed be your name, what you're praying, right, is that God, people would believe in God, trust God, that they fear God, that they bring glory to his name and obey his commands. That's what it means. It's a request, it's not a declaration. Now, one of the primary purposes of Jesus' coming, it's fascinating, John 17, 6. I have manifested your name to the men you gave me out of the world. I have manifested your name. What does that mean? The NIV translated, I have revealed you to those you gave me. Jesus came to reveal the name of God. What does that mean? Well, we knew God's name. Jesus came to reveal his essence. He, and this is the key for you I, Jesus does not just pray that God's name be, ha- be hallowed. Jesus hallowed God's name despite what was going on around him, the circumstances that were overwhelming, were overwhelming him. At one point, Jesus begins to think about what's coming for him. The betrayal, and the cross, and the brutality of the death. He was going to die, in. it one point as he's beginning to reflect on it he spoke into this hallowing God's name despite circumstances issue the scripture says that uh, Jesus said now my soul is troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour should my first petition should my first request to God be God get me out of this Jesus goes on he goes no It's actually for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify. Father, hallow your name. See, it was probably a little easier to say it when he was teaching the disciples. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is when it's a little harder. But Jesus models it for us and goes, even in the worst of circumstances, hallowed be your name. Jesus came to reveal God's name. He came to hollow it. It was his prayer. It was his walk. And so the question becomes, are we just going to keep praying that like just some symbol or gong, or are we actually going to try to, to hollow his name? Here's where we get tripped up. We fall into religion with this. We think, you know, I say this with all due reverence. So let me start by, let me just say that one more time. I say this with all due reverence. But we mess this up, guys, all the time. We, we get real religious with this command. Um, We think there's something, like, special about taking... Oh, there's thunder. That's not good. Um, We we think that... I say this with all due reference. Um, We think that hollowing God's name just simply means, like, not taking... You know those letters, G, O, and D? just like not doing anything bad with those or, or not speaking of them too often. Uh, it, 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 we, we tend to think, if I'm going to be really honest, here's what, we think that we, here's what I think most people when, I, when we say, don't take the Lord's Dame in vain, hallow the Lord's Dame. Do you know those concrete things they build to hold water back? There's one uh, outside of Vegas called the Hoover. Yeah, never put that after God, right? Because then you're not hallowing his name. And there's some truth to that, but that's not really what this is about. Like, we tend to think we hollow God's name by, like, not using it in, attached to a, a curse word, but that's not the story. In Jesus' day, people didn't understand the Abba teaching, the Abba deal. They're like, you can call him Father. But they did understand that God was holy and exalted. They understood the sacredness of God. They understood that his name was to be sacred, and you really shouldn't attach it to curse words. I mean, I'm serious about that you shouldn't, but it's so much deeper than that. We'll talk about it in a minute. The the Jewish culture of his day, they understood the name of God was to be respected. So enormous was the respect of the ancient Hebrews for the actual name of God, Yahweh, they wouldn't even speak it. They would never say the name because they wanted to, to, to hollow it. I have a, a friend today that, that follows some of the rabbinical laws. And so whenever he speaks of God or writes about God or posts something about God on Facebook, he'll put what the, what the um, many, many Jewish folks will, who go G-D because he doesn't want to spell the name of God because he's trying to hollow it. But here's the deal. I mean, that's fine. But can I be real honest with you? That's like really easy, about an inch thick. That's not God's point or Jesus' prayer. But see, religion does that all the time. Religion turns everything into something superficial, something ceremonial, something functional, because religion never touches anybody's heart. And so, uh, in Jesus' day, they knew the name of God to be sacred, but their way to deal with that was just not to say Yahweh. That's how superficial religion always functions. You have God in your mouth, but he's nowhere near your heart. They didn't realize, the, the, they did realize the sacredness of the name, they didn't realize the sacredness of the God behind it. One commentator put it this way, he said, listen, you gotta go a lot, to hollow God's name, you gotta go a lot deeper than that. It doesn't mean you don't use God's name to swear, or it doesn't just mean that. The name of God means all that he is. The name stood for his whole character. We actually feel that way today. You guys know this, right? When someone speaks evil of somebody, destroys somebody's reputation, that person is going to respond by going, you have ruined my name. It happens all the time, right? Our court system actually allows lawsuits to be brought against people for defamation of character. Here's why. If you say things that aren't true about a person, the next time the people who heard you say, uh, who heard you, heard you say that hear the name of that person, heard what you had to say about them, they're going to have attitudes towards that person that are basically the product of your input. Now, with that in mind, church, I want you to understand you are the body of Christ. You represent Jesus If you say things that aren't true about a person, the next time the people who heard you say that hear the name of that person, they're going to have attitudes towards that person that are basically the product of your input. A person's name is to be protected. It's not that the name John or Bill or Sally or Mary is to be protected. It's that the person, what's behind the person is. So when we say God, we're talking about all he is, his character, his personality. So we hollow it, not simply just by using it, not using it as a curse word. We hollow it by the way we live, the way we we carry ourselves. We were in the dump this week and we did prayer walks, right? So I went to three houses, two of the houses... um, had families with young children, and both of uh, their fathers were both 39 years old, and they had both just died, and it was just so traumatic, because oftentimes the only money that comes into the house is through the the father working in the garbage dump, and so we were there, and I remember that there was one little boy, there was one family that had a little girl that was maybe 15, and the little boy was 13, and uh, I was asking them to tell me about their dad, you know, like I wanted to know their store, I wanted to know them as a human being and not just somebody that had died, and so they were sharing with me about their dad, and I said, can I see a picture of him? And so they went and they got me a, it seemed maybe the only picture they had, because I would think they would have bought me a different one if they had. They bought me a picture of their dad. It was actually from a few years ago when when Beyond the Walls had built their house, and he was in the picture um, with the Beyond the Walls volunteers. And so the conversation went on, but I just watched as a little boy kind of went off on the side, and he just stared at his dad. The whole time we were there, just stared at his dad. And so I thought to myself, you know that team that built that house, they hollowed the name of God for that kid. But then another team went to a different house and uh, was talking with the woman that lived there and said, um, "You know, we, we come in the name of Jesus and we're doing all this work because we want you to know Him. Uh, do you belong to a church?" And she said, "I don't want to hear about church." And they said, "Well, why not?" She said, "Because we used to go to church and my husband left me for a woman in that church. I'm not. I'm not going to any church." You see, hollow the name, I mean, thinking you're hollowing the name of God just because you're not putting a curse word after it is about an inch deep. We hollow the name of God by the way we live our lives, how we carry it with us. You hollow the name of God, husbands, by the way you treat your wife. You hollow the name of God, wives, by the way you treat your husband. Kids, you hollow the the name of God by the way you treat your parents. Can I give you something? You hollow the name of God by what you post on social media. If I was going to, you know, we're giving you a card every week asking you to think through this element of the Lord's Prayer, stick the card somewhere. You want to have somewhere good to stick it? Stick that card right next to your computer and right before you hit post, think to yourself, is what I'm doing hollowing the name of God right now? That's how we do it. That's how you hollow it. Last thought, for much of my life, I've had a concern about my name. Now I'm going to tell you how screwed up I am again, I guess, but I've had an insatiable desire, and some of you feel this way too, so I think. I have this insatiable desire to have a plaque somewhere. Does anybody have that desire? Like, much more, you little (laughs) self-righteous... Like, I go places, right, I go to my kids' school, and they have the Hall of Fame. There's not an Eisman on it, you know, and I'm so, I'm like, I, everywhere I go, I'm like, actually, that's not true, you're actually. <laughs> I throw the K-Man a bone, he actually is on a wall somewhere. But anyway, I have this thing, like I go to sports fields, you know, my kids are like, I play, my kids play baseball there, and every field is dedicated to somebody. There's no John Eisman plaque. In fact, I'll give you a little story that's kind of funny. As, <laughs> Many years ago, one of, the, one of the guys that started the church, I never met him, his name was John Pugh, I think. Um, and, and thank you to the Pew family. Um, so uh, the Pews gave some, uh, some money uh, to, uh, w- when John passed away in the 80s, to build a children's um, playground. And so they had a nice plaque made for John Pugh, and it was put on the playground. Um, and so for the first 20 years of me coming to Menham Hills, every time I would take my kids out to the playground, there was a plaque. Now, first thing I thought to myself was, well, this was very nice of John Pugh to give the money to this. And the second thing I thought is, geez, I really shy at a plaque somewhere. I got no plaque anywhere. But uh, so the, the, the playground started to rot, and we took it down, we had to put up a new fence, and we didn't put, this is a true story, completely true story. So we didn't put the plaque back up. Nobody knew who John Pugh was. You know, he died in the 80s, and the next day, the next day, the Pews haven't been at Mendham Hill since some time in the 80s. The next day, the Pews showed up to look at that plaque. <laughs> Completely true story. Pulled into the parking lot and walked in and go, you know, we gave money to a playground here 30 years ago, and it used to have a plaque. Anyway, so I've been wanting this plaque my whole life. Never got it. But as I was working on this talk, uh, you know, last, last thought. I, I, I had a little saying when my kids were growing up. Remember the name, I've talked to you about this before. every time they would go to leave for school, I'd give them a big speech. You know, your grandparents came here and they worked their fingers to the bone to try to make a name for this family. Your grandfather worked in a scissor factory and I'd give them the whole thing. And now you are heading off in the world and you carry not just yourself, but you carry all the hopes and dreams of all that have come before. Remember the name, I would tell them as they went out the door. It's a completely true story, right? I'm not faking it, right? In fact, John gave a speech at his high school graduation called Remember the Name, right? It's been a big thing in our family. But as I worked on this this week, you know what God revealed to me about my name that I so much want to get on a plaque somewhere? Um, <laughs> it, it turns out that's not even my name. I'm working really hard on trying to hollow the wrong name. The writers of the Bible over and over try to help us understand that one of the things God did through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is that he adopted us as sons. Here's specifically what Paul wrote. Listen, it's word for word out of the Bible. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And so what God started telling me this week is, Dude, it's not even your name anymore. You're trying to hollow a name that's not even, your name is meaningless. You're teaching your kids to hollow the wrong name. It's not theirs. You don't want that to be their name. I met with Jules Russell, who was an elder at our church. We had breakfast a few weeks ago, and we were talking about his son, Theo. He adopted a little boy, and he's telling me the process, and he said, John, the most amazing thing about the adoption was right at the end, they bring out the birth certificate. And he said, in front of you, they changed the birth certificate. And all of a sudden, it went from his old identity to his new identity. And he's like, I felt the weight of of I was that kid's father. So I started thinking about that this week. And I actually looked up some legal stuff on this. I got this from an adoption website. Upon a a, a final adoption, a birth certificate is changed or amended to change the name of the biological parents to the names of the adopted parents. An amended birth certificate is given to the family after the adoption is final. The original copy is normally placed in the records and sealed permanently. So as the band comes up, you know, I used to tell my kids as they walked out the door into the world, remember your name. But as we get ready to close, i got to change that for you and me and my children this morning. When you go out the doors, I want you to remember all that God is. Protector, provider, savior, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, cornerstone, victor, healer, present, man of sorrows, the way, the truth, the life. And as you walk into the world today, remember his name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.